0: WOIC Conversations is where academia and industry meet to discuss open innovation.
1: Ideas, insights, best practices and diverse perspectives.
0: For academics, practitioners, policymakers and open innovation enthusiasts. A video session, a podcast and a good time to share and learn together.
1: My name is Marisol Menéndez.
0: And my name is Marcel Bogers.
1: And we wait for you every month in a new chapter of World Open Innovation Conversations.
0: Hello everyone. My name is Marcel Bogers and I'm a professor of Open and Collaborative Innovation at Eindhoven University of Technology.
1: And I'm Marisol Menendez and I'm an Open Innovation Practitioner since 2012, and Open Innovation is my passion. We welcome to you to our third session of World Open Innovation Conversations. For those who are listening to us for the first time, let me tell you about uh, a little bit about us. World Open Innovation Conversations is an initiative that we just began. This is our third chapter. And we gather um, the best people that uh, around, we gather all the best practitioners in academia because we want to bring together to create a bridge and get academia and industry and practice together. Of course, uh, we are high, so we are bringing the top high-quality leaders in the areas that we are discussing. Uh, each time so we invite leaders from the academia sector and of course we also bring in friends because we are trying to create uh, close conversations we want to feel that we were together in a room and chatting about the things that we love (laughs) among each uh, each, uh, there are of course open innovation topics and we are trying to bring all these topics together no Marcel
0: yeah exactly exactly and In a way, I would say this is a little bit of our own open innovation effort, right, where we try to really create a mix between academics, um, industry practitioners, policymakers and uh, other open innovation enthusiasts and really to bring together different ideas, insights, best practices and diverse perspectives and, and put them together to really create that bridge between academia and industry, uh, because I think this is what makes open innovation also so interesting. And thereby, on the one hand, of course, try to link uh, or learn from you know the experience we have in our academic research uh, and on the other hand, learn from what is happening in the real world out there uh, about all the best practices in this domain.
1: And for those who are t- tuning in for the first time, I want to invite you to listen for the first two chapters. It's true that we're still learning about uh, how this making a podcast, uh, no, mm-hmm. we're learning our way into this world. But Marcel and I have been enjoying so much, and the first two chapters are really interesting. We had Henry Chesbro, the father of open innovation and a great friend of both of us. And together with Anita McGahan and Miguel Arias, in this, and in the second episode, we had Carlis Baldwin, Diane Finkhausen, and Hans de Jong for me it was a privilege to cha- to share time with all of them
0: yeah and and you know in addition to that we had our uh, so called sections on uh, insights from academia and and industry where we had uh, on the one hand uh, Agnieszka Ratsiwon and Graham Cross um, to guide us through the first uh, session and Kritika Randawa and uh, Oana Maria Pop for the second session and those sessions were respectively about Open innovation and grand challenges. First one, and the other about innovation ecosystems.
1: And the best of all is that everything is among friends with this nice and friendly environment. So I hope that everyone who is listening or watching the videos enjoy as much as we do.
0: Yeah, and for me, it's also really you know a privilege to do these kinds of things. It's really you know doing. What we love and, and and having these conversations is uh, is very exciting. So, in that sense, uh, I think we're ready for our third episode. And the topic here is uh, ownership, the role of ownership in open innovation. And for me personally, I think it's actually the topic that got me initially interested in the topic of open innovation. And in fact, my very first uh, article on the topic was called "The Open Innovation Paradox," and it was about the tension between uh, knowledge sharing and knowledge protection in R&D uh, collaborations, and you know, I, I think it's such an exciting topic um, because if you think about open innovation. Uh, being about the you know, purposively managing knowledge flows across organizational boundaries. Well, then the question is very much, you know, who owns what part of that knowledge um, and the role of intellectual property or IP becomes really central in that context. So that's really what triggered me initially uh, to to become interested in the topic uh, of open innovation.
1: And I come from the finance and banking world. I discovered open innovation there where of course um, the corporations are working with the service perspective and and the collaboration is mainly with the startups. So with this context, the evolution of IP licensing rights is really a continuous discussion. And as we began collaborating with the startups, we discussed how to shape the contracts in the balance to how to maintain the growth of the startup, but at the same time have a competitive advantage. And that also opened the discussion of what does a competitive advantage mean in this time, because, of course, in the service world, everyone could somehow deliver or develop something similar to you. So, the discussions also about to ownership, and here we landed on the discussions on who owns the data that we are generating, who owns the customers, how do we distribute the revenues. And even at some point, Marcela and I engaged in a really interesting conversation about. How do we distribute the results of failure, you know, and even in the failure, there are learnings and I feel that this topic of ownership is really deep and it gets in my head continuously about how do we articulate and orchestrate the ownership in an open innovation collaboration. So, of course, this is a continuous topic and I think that uh, if we want collaborations to last, we need to set. This discussion early on, because as we say in Spanish, friendships um, are. Uh, if we want friendships to remain during long time, we need to have all the accounts and contracts really clear.
0: Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's very interesting. I think. In in a way, it also makes me think, uh, think back a little bit of our previous episodes, actually, you know, when we talked about grand challenges and innovation ecosystems, and those are exactly the type of context where you need to understand the role of of ownership and and IP in order to really tackle those kinds of of issues. Um, So in in, in that sense, I think, you know, there are so many important developments, uh, you know, like the ones we discussed before. Uh, we, we live in a world of, you know, big data. We, you know, need to understand open open science, open source, all those kinds of things. And of course, these topics uh, are, are then really important. So I think that makes us ready to to kick off our, uh, our actual conversations, right?
1: Right, Marcel, I think we are ready and I'm sure that everyone will enjoy the amazing lineup of speakers that we have today. So let me begin with the first two introductions. Uh, let me introduce you to Ingrid Williams. She is CEO and founder of Data Scouts. In her own words, she's an entrepreneur, business analyst, aspiring partner, and strategist, building businesses and guiding organizations in their digital transformation breaking down silos and leveraging data and company own generated or has access to. So Ingrid, uh, welcome, welcome today.
2: Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for having me here, it's really nice. Looking forward to this conversation.
1: Thank you very much. And next we have uh, none other than Marcus Nordberg. He is Head of Resources Development in a new unit called Development and Innovation, whose mandate is to create initiatives that support detector R&D and related initiatives at CERN for LHC upgrades. uh, uh, LHC upgrades. I'm trying to say (laughs) it right, Marcos, sorry. And the LHC and other physics projects in their early stages. So the focus is on detector technology development involving and engaging external partners such as industry and external research institutes, identifying and fostering the development and innovation potential outside the domain of particle physics. I managed. Marcos, welcome
0: today.
3: (laughs) Thank you so much. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, and then we also have uh, Marianne Weiler. we met back uh, when I was still in uh, in Copenhagen, in, in, in Denmark, and it was really great pleasure to work with Mariana. She was also a guest lecturer in some of the courses we were teaching, and she was very much focused on the uh, IP-related uh, issues. She has a lot of experience with um, uh, you know, IP management, strategy, uh, litigation, and, and, and many different things, both on the... I would say, you know, the strategic level, but also the, you know, the getting the hands dirty uh, implementation part of the, of the story. And that, that has been really interesting to, uh, uh to discuss those, those things. Uh, Marianne uh, has uh, long experience uh, as uh, director and manager at uh, uh, novozymes uh, exactly in this uh, in this domain um, and uh, last couple of years also focused more on consulting and supporting also um, uh, startup companies uh, including very interesting, uh, uh, company circular food technology with our uh, common friend Karen Boykel, also a very interesting initiative so what i like about her is really the mix you know of the experience in the large corporation but also working with those uh, startups so uh, welcome Marianne, we look forward to your uh, your input here thank you very much so nice
4: uh, introduction and, and just short, short. actually you could sum up everything i've been doing what- So just uh, said uh, that if you want a long-term relationship, you really need to have the the contract and everything in order because that's really what's about
0: too. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And that's what we tried to bring across to some of the students we were teaching, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great. Yeah and then we have uh, Rudy Becker. So Rudy is a full professor at Eindhoven University of Technology. So a colleague of mine at one of the other uh, research group at, at our department and he's also a senior researcher at uh, Dialogic. Um, he works mostly on intellectual property um, and especially focuses on the relation uh, to technical standards. And apart from his academic work what I find interesting is also doing uh, studies for policy bodies uh, such as the European Commission and as expert witness in court cases. Uh, it's always a very exciting topic, uh, at least for outsider. Um, but uh, for me... Uh Rudy is especially my former master thesis supervisor uh, <laughs> when I was still a student at this university, uh, and maybe you know, in that sense uh, one of the reasons why I'm sitting here, you know, having this conversation with, with all of you, uh, because I mean that that uh, that really made me also interested in the in the role of IP and got me interested in topics like open innovation. So uh, still, thank you for that, uh, Rudy, and welcome uh, uh, to this uh, to this episode.
5: Yeah, thank you. It, it was a pleasure to be your thesis supervisor, but that's very, very long ago. But now, but it's also a pleasure yeah. to be on this talk, and I look forward to the conversation that we're going to be having.
1: Well, as you can see, we have a great mix of practice and academia, and in fact, well, with uh, with all the backgrounds that you have, we we think and we know that we will engage the topic in a really, uh, from different perspectives. So I invite you to imagine that we were sitting in a nice cozy coffee room, you know, sharing ideas and beginning uh, the conversation. So um, maybe we can begin this conversation by asking all of you, what is the role of IP or, or ownership in general in open innovation? And please follow the conversation as you feel it and participate as needed. And uh, maybe to break the ice, Rudy, what can you tell us about this?
5: Yeah, we'll be happy to talk about it. I wanted to kick off with, with two items, really. F- first of all, it's just the the notion that... The field of IP is very diverse, we could talk a lot about a lot of things, but one thing I want to highlight is there's a great diversity in why people want to have IP in the first place. It can be that they want to be the only maker of a particular device or service, it can be that they want to sell licenses, exclusive or non-exclusive, but other people want it for cross-licensing and as exchange chips, yet other people want it as a defense mechanism if they're ever attacked. Some people want it to be attractive as a partner, to in order for, for example, a startup to attract capital from venture capitalists, and yet other people see it as as a signaling thing, signaling your knowledge, and and that's probably not irrelevant at all in the context of open innovation, signaling what your knowledge profile is. And if I try to make these links to open innovation, I've been trying to review that literature a little bit. What what I seem to see there is this this big contention or disagreement in the community, on the one hand, the people that, that, that see open innovation and IP as something where people go into, into selective uh, bilateral agreements. And, and these people already go into agreement for a variety of things, manage their expectations, uh, monitor progress, dealing with uncertainties, uh, financial compensation. So for them, it's, it's part of the package of going into that type of thing. And, and this is very much the traditional literature on IPR as I know it. People like, like, uh, like Graham and Maori and also the famous book, for example, Markets of Technology by Aurora and Gambardella that really think about a market for technology. And then at the same time in the, the world of open innovations, you seem to have a group of people that has a, a totally different people. We, we could call them the bazaar. These are the people that, that very much support this idea of of open source development, and I think it's fair to say that Eric von Hippel and Julian Panin, et cetera, is in that stream of literature, and, and they very much express the view that it should be open source. Anybody should have equal free access to that, that type of uh, of information, and it should not be selective and bilateral type of contracts. And, and I really see this clash coming back in a lot of literature and, and also saw some interesting uh, papers of people that, that try to do uh, surveys and, and maybe we get back later today in the conversation about that but I'm very happy to learn from the other participants today as well that how do they experience this on, on, on which side do they think companies are standing mostly or or is it half half or so so how does the practicing uh, world really think about this? this academic debate on the one side you know really dealing with IP in a traditional way and on the other side the bazaar where people really think everybody should have equal access and and none of that contractual stuff and and I'll stop here thank you
2: thanks a lot for for you know that that overview I think that opens the floor for a lot of conversation um I, I just want to start perhaps as being an entrepreneur myself um I've been in uh more traditional businesses before bigger corporations, before I started my own company. Um, and I think it is, it's open innovation is what we're, we're, we're very interested in. They help a lot of corporates as well doing their open innovation, understanding the ecosystem they're active in, building and tapping into collective intelligence. And it is, it's, it's, it's a very interesting topic indeed how patents, especially are used a lot by by both sides to understand what is happening in that ecosystem that technology is available and exactly as you said is to be found because people are looking for the right partners to to innovate so and it's very interesting to see how that has changed as well we're there were companies that didn't want to be found for the patents that they've been writing. There's a lot of tactics in order not to disclose who's behind it. While at the other side, especially young innovators, like to be found and use that as a way of promoting themselves and, and providing nice insights about what they really are able to be done. So so just a little bit from that side in scanning and scouting uh, what is happening, patents are for sure very interesting to to be found or or to find interesting parties. That That's what we experience a lot.
4: Patents are really important. I'm a really big fan of uh, patents. There's a lot of issues with it, especially enforcing them. But I think that's for another uh, topic. Uh, But but I think you couldn't have innovation going fast if you didn't have uh, patents. Because patents actually enable you to speak. Because what you already already have is protected. So you can speak more freely. Actually, it's already out in the uh, public domain because it's been... uh, uh, it, it's been published through uh, the patent. I've often through a job I used to have. Uh, a lot of uh, people who come with innovation and ask if you would want to acquire it or collaborate with them. And there was a very, very big difference between speaking to people who already had a patent or at least a patent application and them who just wanted to rely on a confidentiality agreement. Uh, because people just dare much more. But you also dare receiving it uh, in a completely more safe way so it's a, of course it's a, the person who wants to tell you but it's also the person receiving information also means trust uh, I mean I've been involved in a lot of really bad experiences where people come and tell us something That thing is completely new but we were already working on it but of course we wouldn't tell them oh you know in a few months we will have a product on the market exactly what you say so then when they see the product on the market they might think wow you know we told you this. No, no, they didn't know it had the information. So so that's why the pen actually really enable you can speak more freely. It, that's that's one thing. The other thing for me is also it gives you the framework so you can actually work with the uh, technology, the new innovation, sharing and using it, everything Hody says. I mean, I, I look for a lot of potential partners going into who already file something, I mean, who already have some IP on so, it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, tool, and I don't think we
1: could uh, have innovation without. Marcus, what do you think? How do you see things at CERN? And I know that uh, there, this is a perfect melting pot also for all these kind of discussions. We've been visiting you, and we talked about many aspects of these conversations. So, share with us your insights.
3: Okay. It's really hard to kind of put it in a in a nutshell, but uh, there are a lot of interesting points here. By the way, I'm not an IP expert, so uh, don't ask me about patents. I know what they are, we do them, but uh, this is not my speciality. So uh, I, I'd like to build on what uh, Rudy was saying, and, and um, the way to picture CERN, I, I, I think that we are a bit, uh, it's always nice to say that we are a bit special, but but so that you everybody is clear where we operate in the open innovation uh spectrum, I'd like to kinda use a little bit of Henry Henry's stuff. And he wrote with some uh lady uh article some ten years ago in, in California Management Review and he did a very nice job there because he he on the one hand talks about value creation and capturing and then on the other hand bilateral versus clustering. And this is what Rudy was at least half talking about, and in that kind of continuum, uh, it's important to understand that we at CERN we are a scientific organisation, so we are more on the value creation than the capturing side, and we are very passionate about open innovation. And as uh, Marcel pointed out, it's it's coming from this open science part because that's the the way we do science. We develop new instrumentation to be able to talk to mother nature about the universe and we are interested in top performance in terms of technology and not sharing profits so this puts us in a very low if you like technology readiness level angle so we are far from the market we are not close to technology readiness levels of eight or nine we're probably somewhere around three so that's where we operate and This question of working with industry is really fascinating because it is exactly as Rudy said, that that we are passionate about this. We are like the bazaarist and and we want to go for clustering and we don't worry about too many details. And the the IP stuff, uh, we always declare it, well, it's owned by everybody, meaning the governments. And uh, we make sure that the governments get nowhere close to it. Uh, So therefore, it gets completely undefined. And it's understood that, the, the best performance is by sharing, not herding. Um, but then it's, ma- it's, a, it's a very difficult challenge for industry because they obviously, when they are close to a higher technology readiness level, they need to protect the stuff. So just in one analogy that, that what we kind of like to think at CERN and in other research centers is that, we're, well, open science for us is like creating together the fishing rod and then uh, the fishermen <laughs> slash industry can then patent the uh, the hooks, so that's in a mm-hmm. stupid nutshell. In,
5: in, in the reactions I just heard, I think I Thank heard you. quite a lot of people saying that that they, they 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 did see trust in this environment of having agreements, or making explicit, having contracts, etc. <clears throat> um, at the same time, like I said, there's also this stream in the literature of the bazaar, and and these are not not the least, I would say, the people that have been advocating that, that position and, and also for the sake of being the advocate of the, the devil, I think we, we, we should maybe look at it. Because I would be really interested to understand better are there particular circumstances in which the bazaar model is better fitting than the other model? Are there particular settings? And and, and I know this is a conversation now with, with four panel members, but I, I think I'm going to ask it to Marcel. He, having worked with Eric von Hippel in, in the past as well, I know, and maybe he can tell a little bit more what he might know about these ideas and, and when this bazaar model might be the preferred model over the more organized, orchestrated model that we were just talking about. Can, can you say something about that, uh, Marcel?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean... I think the, the general point you're you're raising or the, you know, the, the question is really about, you know, under which conditions does with which type of model, uh, you know, is, is best suited or you know works best or creates best types of results. So I think that in general is actually the right you know, question to ask, um, which is already one important observation, because I think sometimes we kind of forget to ask that particular question and we, we may go just with a particular mode. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if there's one particular answer to it, but I think when I want to connect it to some of the things that I already mentioned, like Marcus, for example, mentioned the technology readiness levels. Um, um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, one element here is that there are maybe, you know, different stages in, de- in the development of a technology when different types uh, of models uh you know maybe you know better suited than than other ones and that may change over you know in the course of technology development so i think mm-hmm. you know so th- that that would be you know one aspect but i think also ingrid talked about um um uh, i mean also highlight the entrepreneurial perspective which is of course another type of condition right so the type of organization you know the 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 size but also things like industry uh, and 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 other types of characteristics i i think you know play a particular role so um for me the main point in a way is that uh, because i think you're right i'm, I'm you know I'm I somehow feel really connected to all of those worlds. Uh, um, you know, having, having, you know, been to, you know, the conferences and, and conversations, discussion with, with people like Eric von Hippel, of course, Henry Chesbro and, uh, you know, which in a way I, I see your point, right? Because it seems like different worlds, but it's, it's part of a, of, of, of a broader domain, I would say. So that would be my, you know, my reaction. Then I would also be curious to hear about. Uh, you know, also in, in, the, in, in the practice of working with ownership or, or uh, IP or open innovation in general, what, what some of the reflections are from the panelists in terms of, you know, how do they see some of those conditions, right? I see, Mariana, you, you may have a reaction to that.
4: Yeah, yeah because from, from my experience from, from company side, there's a really big difference on your approach on, on whether this is a, related to your core, you can say business, your core, already knowledge and so on, or whether this is a new field you want to enter into. So if it's a new field you want to enter into, you don't have so much to lose, you just have a lot to learn. And then you're much more open about innovation. I mean, you don't need to own everything, you don't need to protect anything because you have a lot of things to gain. And so you're not so afraid of
0: speaking and
4: listening. But if, if it's very related to your core, Business and where you make your income, and you know, then then, then you uh, it's much more difficult to put it out in the open space for for everybody. Uh, I mean, I've seen companies saying, "Oh, we have the strategy. We put our patents out. Everybody can work there." And I have to see all the patents I saw from you know the people in our field put it out. It was probably patents they would never use themselves. I mean, it, it wasn't. They didn't put anything out there that you would, at least not uh, you know in my experience, that that would come really close to your uh, core business because you don't dare to because it's so. Uh, I mean, I've been very much involved in people stealing technology and copying, uh, you know, in in a, in a not allowed way, and, and and it matters a lot to your income. So uh, so so. It really depends on where you are in your own uh, development uh, phase. Uh, does that make sense yeah. to you guys? Or? Yeah, I think my healthcare. Okay. Yeah, and, but, but that the conflict I of sense. would add is if in your core business, then you say, I don't dare to speak with anybody, I don't dare to kind of uh, innovate with all the rest of the world, then you're also going to lose. Because then you're not, I mean, even though you might have a really huge amount of your own scientists. I mean, the likelihood that they're going to do the very best innovation for the next many years is, is not very high. You need to get uh, the information in. And that's where well, coming back to IP is the framework to make uh, that happen. And you need to find, as a company, the right balance of demanding that you want to own everything and actually allowing for other people to, of course, have uh, some of the... Uh, the value or access to new uh, innovation, and uh, I think the winners, in my view again, are the companies who actually are very good at finding that balance. Maybe just to add on that, I mean, I've been also negotiating with a lot of large companies myself that didn't have that balance, and and, uh, I mean, I would never go back and offer them something new, because I just know it would be too much work to convince, to find a good way forward for everybody because everybody has to be getting something out of it
2: if you need to. It can't just be one. Yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, yeah, so,
5: that... so one other element, I think it hasn't been mentioned hasn't been mentioned yet, uh, but in terms of what are the contexts under which one model is working and the other is the, the whole incentive structure because that seems to very much emphasize in the open source world um, and even in the open hardware world, is there a kind of incentive model that people can live from that allow them to follow that model? But basically the incentives come from other way, come from personal reputation, comes perhaps from software services that come on top of the, the you know, the basic platform they are from, or or any other model that is stable over a longer amount of time can allow them to operate in, in such a mode. And And that might be a strong explanation as well, that in certain worlds, you know, certain models work or not. The other thing that I find kind of interesting is that in the open source model world, an emphasis is really on on copyright or what they call copy left, eh? using the copyright mechanism by creating a set of rules when somebody has access and what they need to comply to. For example, that they also need to make the derivative product available on the same license. Uh, This is all nice, but actually we've seen a fair amount of patent clashes there as well. Uh, I think one famous example is Samsung, who implemented the Android uh, software in his phone, and then to find out people were knocking on their door saying, "Wait a moment, you are infringing our patents." And 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 Samsung was like, "No, I'm using open Android." And uh, and then these people said, "Yeah, but that doesn't mean you cannot infringe our patents." Somebody wrote a code that uses our patent but never asked for permission. So there's a bit of a clash there as well, I think. In you know the type of intellectual property and and there's been a lot of misunderstanding i think this has improved over the last few years but a couple of years ago there was kind of a this big misunderstanding as well what open source was and what the consequences were even the recent report of the european commission on this reveals it's, it's even much more complex than we thought it was this relationship something that's certainly much more work into to understanding it i would i would say <laughs>
4: I think the one good model uh, to actually have an open source. And, and, and again, I think my experience have been you should be open for different models because what you really need, need to explore up front is what a, what makes everybody happy. And, and you can always sometimes you guess and, and you guess wrong. Sometimes, you know, a com- company, I think it's money, but often it's not. It might be something else. Uh, it might be that uh, you are very interested in a very little area, and uh, they're interested in completely different areas, so you can use the same technologies in two different fields. So my experience is, uh, Marianne and yeah. yeah. time and sit down and explore. Yeah. Marianne and system I, system I can
2: only agree with that. Yes, um... Because that's exactly what I experienced in the beginning. You know, I always thought it was very hard as a small startup to talk with a corporate. You know, and in order to agree, like what was my background and 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 my part. But then I noticed when you really go into that conversation and you're very upfront and clear on who you are, what you have to offer, what your background is, and you know, like what the path is you're going to do together what everybody is contributing and what people want to do or organizations with the outcome, you get into a very positive and a collaborative organization or, you know, collaboration in the end. And that's what I learned is to really go into that conversation, to be very clear about who you are, where you want to go as a startup, what you want to achieve you don't want to take over their business. You're too small, but you have a very specific thing you want to achieve. And that's what I learned, that exactly that conversation, having that conversation, how difficult it is. Try to have a spot there that understands you as an entrepreneur, not just have a legal person on the other side, but really somebody who understands and can help you in that process. That has helped me a lot move ahead and have very positive collaboration with very large organizations. Because in the end, you give them something they don't have, and you learn a lot in that in that process as well. So the more that clarity is there, where you want to go, what you can mean for each other and where it ends as well, helps a lot to do a good project together.
5: This seems to be really about management of expectations and understanding each other instead of leaving leaving this implicit basically and think that the other knows what you mean but never have spoken it out because that might be the source of a lot of problems that people think the other side kind of understands what their intention was and what the expectations are, but never making it explicit. And, and IP might help to, you know, to, to have this conversation a little bit more open. Because One thing Mariana said, and, and, and I was happy to hear that, I want to emphasize that again, by choosing for formal IP, at least in contrast to, to, a, to, a, to a trade secret, it, it is already getting disclosed as knowledge. And this yes. is a main misunderstanding I see in quite a lot of the literature. I went through a couple of papers to, uh, through today, and they were all talking about, you know, uh, things about uh, knowledge diffusion and and being hindering. But once you apply for an IP, the knowledge is diffused. The patent application is going to be published in eighteen months. Yeah. Everybody can read that, build up in, invent around it, etc. So that, that dissemination is already happening. The question is about the permission to use it, and that might be the discussion. That part of agreements that that you yeah. enter into, and and you make choices. You know what. What would you want to do or not?
2: Yeah. And really, there is. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering just one, one step further is that I think we sometimes forget and what, you know, we live in a very transparent world. It's not only what is in a patent, it's what's on your website. It's what in your vacancies it's in every pitch you do, you know, there is so much information that is available uh, already outside there, you know, As we're a big data and an AI company, we're we're, we're using a lot of that that data that is out there. And I think that people really underestimate how much knowledge is available out there uh, already. And sometimes I think we we spend a lot of time negotiating and discussing things um, while there is already a lot of information that is is shared and available. What is, of course, not when you're very early stage working on on some breakthrough uh, innovations, you know,
5: now, I've also been one thing I've been wondering about, and would like to ask this panel in 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 my field, people that research IP, also have a very critical view towards: Is our IP system working? What are the side effects? There's an endless discussion on that. And and without starting by saying what what I think or what these things are, are there particular things in the open innovation world where I see really issues with the patent system and? Desires of changes or fundamental problems that, that particular from their their angle, they they are experiencing. Can you say something, you know, in a more critical sense about the IP system? What is is bothering you in in the way you do do your work?
4: Do you want me to do it, maybe, or, or Ingrid, or, or Marcus? Do you have a point of view on that?
2: No, go ahead, Marianne
4: no so so i i actually think uh, the system itself applying and all of that that's, that is a pretty good system i think uh, i think uh, the whole idea that it's very cheap when you you know you submit a, your patent application it becomes more expensive over the years so you only keep it alive it if it really ch- creates value for you i mean that's also the whole system you don't have a patent for the rest of your life if you don't keep paying for it and it becomes more and more expensive so i think that's also a smart thing from society, not having a hinder for, for innovation if it's not being put to use. Uh, but I think the whole thing about enforcing is really difficult. So if someone infringes uh, your patent application, it's extremely expensive. And I mean, I've been involved in a number of uh, uh, patent litigations in the U.S. It's crazy, crazy. China, cheaper, but really <laughs> difficult. So uh, it's, it's just... And, and if I was a, you know, English startup, like you, most people who were infringing your IP would know that you could not go into the fight. So, uh, you know, you would be much more likely of uh, settling. And I think that's a fault with the system. I know there have been kind of tried to make different insurances and so on, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen it uh, uh, really work well, or it still for startup company be really expensive to insure to, to, to I think. I don't know how we could do that system better, but it's 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 too expensive and too uh, difficult for uh, for smaller companies to uh, to do. Not for sure. And that's now one I of think we the have been we talking had, uh, at the time because I, don't, I mean it still is is a big value. Uh, for, for 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 companies uh, that have the muscles uh, to to use them, but then I think over the years what I thought about because instead of patents, you can also just have a confidentiality agreements, for example. That's one way you can enable a, a discussion. And, and and I used to have my own company, and I was afraid talking to you know larger companies, thinking they would cheat me and, and all of that. But I, what I learned from actually working in a large company, you would. It would be crazy, crazy if you cheated somebody because you are so relied upon. People want to come to you and collaborate with you and give, you know, talk to you about your newest innovation. And if there are rumors that you cheat people, then that's it. And 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 you know, again, I can point out a few uh, very large companies that uh, have a hard time with innovation because uh, they. Uh, I don't think it's the the company itself that made the decision, but it becomes a culture where they think, oh, anybody who you know just uh talking with them are happy to talk with them, and 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 they don't see it from the other point of uh, person point of view. And that I'm really happy and that you said that's actually your experience because that's what it should be, and that's the right thing for society if we want to think about the ecosystem that we have the startups that do things most larger companies won't do at that stage. So I think it's really nice that uh, many people are good at that
2: or many companies are good at that. Yeah, and it's what you say is that we're, you know, especially we're in software, so it's very hard as well to to really make that very clear and to put that in a pattern or whatever. And that what I learned is that in the end, as a startup, we're fast. That is really what makes us different. So the more we can learn in collaboration with other partners, we're clear what our background is and where we want to go, the faster we are, the more access we have to success. That's at least what I learned. So in the beginning, I had that same feeling. What you said, Mariana is like, oh, they're, you know, they're just listening to me in order to take my idea and run off with it. But honestly, I learned very fast that they don't have the speed to do that, like the way that we can learn. And so the more I started part, t- talking with people and validating my ID and knew where I had to go, the faster we were. And I think today, honestly, I don't mind so much anymore to talk about what we are and who we are because I know what we have. So it's... It's very, and and I'm always so amazed when people tell others or coaches, say don't talk about what you're doing, keep it secret. And I think that's not a way to innovate. If you don't talk, if you don't validate, you're not sure you're going into the right direction. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm rather most probably on the other side to say, really try to make speed and try to validate as quick as you can.
1: I think we're reaching like the final part of of this section. So I invite uh, each of you to round up with a conclusion and a final thought. Um, uh, as you wish, I saw that Marcus was nodding a lot over English. Let's comment. I don't know if you want to to begin Marcus uh,
3: I had yes, difficulty hearing you, marisol but are you asking us to make short roundup? Is that what you're asking? Okay, I, I find the discussion very interesting as I said, I'm, I'm not so much on the IP side, uh, but I, I do recognize a lot of the points that have been made and very much appreciate all of your comments and I, I, I can't offer any sort of magic bullet, uh, but I do uh, like a lot of the, the observations that uh, Rudy has been making and, and in particular the role of the patterns which really is, it's true, it's, it's uh, permission to use. And one of the key questions maybe for the future that we've been thinking about in the CERN attract Mm -hmm. uh, ecosystem concept is that whether we could use technologies like blockchain or something like that. I'm not saying it's necessarily blockchain but something like that. Where the identity of the author would be secured. Mm -hmm. And this we hope that could actually also help in our uh, discussions with industry that the sharing of the, or the question of IP could be done in some new clever way uh, which would uh, recognize the ownership uh, let's say the originality of, of the where the invention is coming now our community is very big we have 11000 people this is another issue how to get 11000 people in a patent so that for that reason also is practically uh, well we think impossible but using something some new technologies that we are thinking about uh, could be something that uh, could turn out to be useful so Thank you.
1: Um, and um, I don't know, Ingrid, uh, do you want to go ahead?
2: Yes, of course. Um, yeah, I found it a very very interesting discussion to hear all these issues. I think for me, um, believing a lot that competitive thinking is a little bit old-fashioned and thinking in ecosystems is a real way forward in order to really make transition and change really happen. Uh, you know, I can only invite and, and share my idea that the more we talk with each other, the more we try to collaborate, build and tap into collective intelligence, that that is really the only way forward. And I agree with Marcus, if we can find a way of making, you know, this this ownership, uh, you know, more clear who has been part of it and and make that available in an open way that. would really make sense
1: thank you very much ingrid marianne
4: yeah Marcus, it's interesting you you said uh, you were not an ip person and neither am i Uh, but i think about yeah that's true i talked a lot about it so so my main job was creating partnerships Uh, but actually Mm -hmm. ip becomes such a big part of it i I mean so um, you say more or less uh, got to know a lot of ip because i couldn't see how you could set up Partnerships being a, a, a large sign company without uh, the uh, IP. I think one of the things I, I really took away from this that's more clear to me. That's uh, what, that that's the whole idea that you you need to have a conversation upfront. And, and back to what Maisel uh, also said, yeah, you needed to have uh, all the agreements in place in order to have a long-term relationship. And and I think that's what I tried to say so many times. And, uh, and and you need to sit down and have all the difficult conversations, because once you have agreed, if this and that happened, you know, if you do this and then we do this, then, then it's so much easier to collaborate afterwards, because then you have set your expectations I think that's
1: the way uh, forward. Mm-hmm. That's true. Thank you very much, Marianne. And Rudi?
5: Yeah, so, so for, for me as an academic, one of the questions that always come to me is like, how, how close do we really understand reality and the real world around us? We have lots of academic debates, and, and the one we were just mentioning here, in, in the debate in, in Open Innovation about these two models at a cathedral, and the bazaar, and the big disagreement between these communities, uh, what, what, what sense of reality is there? And it's it's nice to see that some of the more recent survey-based studies, as one of of John Hagedorn of Merit, Maastricht University, is actually pretty close to to the arguments I've been hearing by people today. So that gives me some uh, some 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 trust at least in science that some people do good work and do have a reasonably good understanding um it also feels kind of comforting that 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 i hear here that the the, the way people think about you know being able to reach agreement and understanding even between a bigger and and a smaller entity still works quite okay of course we, from the outside often we see only the conflict and when things goes wrong and it's also the case when I act in my acting court cases. cases you see when, when things massively derailed, derailed. Uh, and, and, and and then, then you get this incredible insane big big cases and conflicts, etc. cetera. Um, but we also have to realize that in, in most fields, the, these are the exceptions, not the rule. Of course, there are fields that are extremely litigious, and of course, there are certain assertion entities that the whole business model is built around court cases. Um, but, but, but still, what we have to value, I think, that, that in most areas, at least, these are the exceptions and not the rule. And normally, people are able to, you know, to, uh, to, to, to behave well. And, and that's a reassuring thought, in a way, I would say.
1: <laughs> That's true. Well, um, I think this has been really an exceptional conversation and I uh, like even more now the mix of speakers that we got because we have so many different perspectives, the startup perspective, the science perspective with this collaborative um, and generation of ideas that uh, Marcos represents and the academic point of view and what Marianne is working in the real relationship. So. For me, the big conclusions about trust and communication are key. At the end, we come again to human values, Marcel.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, exactly, and, and it, it's very interesting to also see the different, uh, you know, cross relationship between the different, you know, episodes that we are now recording. You know, recurrent issues like, you know, working in ecosystems. You know, the unit of analysis is changing, and I really also like the fact of how. Um, in a way, you know, when when Rudy tries to talk about you know these different models, uh, from my point of view, it's also how, within open innovation, we should look at okay, you know, how can we understand those different conditions and how does it all, you know, what are the implications for actual organizations that try to manage all these knowledge flows and 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 how can you tap into that on the one hand, and of course on the other hand, what does it mean for the larger te- you know, range of technology developments, you know, from basic science up to ultimate commercialization so you know a little bit overwhelming but extremely interesting of course yeah
1: well thank you very much everyone thank you for being with us today and for having this amazing conversation and i think we're ready to move forward to the next section do you agree absolutely well thank you very very much everyone You know, one of the objectives for us is to bring together academia and industry, um, bringing specific perspectives, and that's why we like to add these uh, sections about insights. And of course, I'm a practitioner, and for me, really, the academic world is kind of an aspirational, and I'm always trying to learn. That's why, for me, it's uh, really great to 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 invite to this next section about academia insights. And today. Um, we are uh, traveling hand by hand with one of the best persons to speak about this. Let me welcome Joanna Stefan. Joana, thank you very much for joining today. You are Assistant Professor of Innovation Management at Malarden University in Sweden. As you can see today, we have people in all the corners of the world. Welcome today and hello all the way to Sweden.
6: Thank you, Marcel. Hello and and thank you both to you and Marcel for inviting me here today. It's a pleasure and and it was very interesting to listen to the panel. I agree also from uh, our uh, previous research that um, a lot of of the IP issues discussions come down to uh, human values and and to trust. Uh, uh, So uh, the individual level, as we will see in the academic insights today, is particularly uh, important. Uh, So, um, I will start with uh, a short background uh, on this topic, and then we'll move forward to uh, themes and current research, but also to um, open questions that are raised by uh, recent studies. So, um, the topic of IP ownership in open innovation uh, is often construed um, uh, more recently in terms of the paradox of openness. Uh, which was also uh, mentioned in uh, the previous episodes of the VoIP conversations Um, and um, I think uh, we all know that this paradox uh, highlights the balance between creating capturing value Uh, and we have a couple of seminal studies um, in recent years that have sparked really great and interesting conversations uh, academic conversations uh, about IP ownership and one of those is uh, Bogers, 2011, uh, from the European Journal of Innovation Management, introducing the paradox of openness. And then uh, we have Larsen and Salter in 2014, in research policy. And uh, of course, a lot of other great scholars have contributed to these conversations. Um, just to name a few, uh, we think about uh, the work of David Tease uh, on operability. Uh, the work of uh, Alexi Henkel and colleagues uh, on uh, selective revealing and IP modularity, Um, the work of of Zobel and Hagedorn uh, on uh, the role of uh, boundaries for governance in open innovation, Uh, and also uh, the work of of Beckers, Blind and colleagues on on standards and IP. And, And as mentioned, these are just a few examples, there's a lot more. And I hope I I will be able to capture your interest today uh, with some of the recent studies. Uh, But just uh, uh, a warning that there is too little time to explore uh, this whole topic. As was mentioned before, this is very broad. Uh, So I have highlighted a few themes and I hope that uh, we can build on these. Um, so, one of the themes that is really uh, uh, important but also not so much researched in uh, recent uh, uh, re- academic research, is that of digital technologies and industry 4.0 in relation to IP. And we see this in a recent review in Technovation published this year, uh, published this year by uh, uh, Obradovich and colleagues and uh, they signal this uh, sort of lack of research. But on the positive side, we see a lot of different studies um, published in the past couple of years that tackle topics around IP and digitalization. So I will just enumerate a few. Uh, For instance, in California Management Review, um, we saw the article that was published this year by Yang Chesborough and Hurmelina Laukanen, who explore how uh, open innovation can be leveraged for uh, general purpose technologies uh, in order to uh, speed up appropriation and and increase the benefits Um, then we have uh, another article in uh, long-range planning uh, also published this year by and Ritalan who explore um, the opportunistic uh, platform entry strategies. Um, We also have um, an article from last year in uh, science and public policy, uh, which highlights this uh, tension or conflict between uh, privacy and transparency, um, which are um, uh, sort of emphasized by GDPR on one hand and IPRs on the other hand. And this is authored by uh, Minson, uh, Rajam and Bowers. Uh, and then there's a couple of articles in research policy published this year, which I think uh, touch upon the discussion in the panel as well uh, about the bazaar versus the uh, protectiveness and appropriation. Uh, one of them is uh, by dalander and colleagues, um, And they uh, touch upon the role of IPRs in for open source software and hardware. And the other uh, is written by gold and and touches upon the role of IPRs for uh, open science partnerships. So I think we're seeing that these two worlds are starting to kind of merge uh, uh, and there's uh, more of a gray area than a black and white area. So I hope. In the future, we will see much more research on this. But all in all, just to summarize this emerging theme, I think it's clear that digital technologies and uh, new uh, regulations to process data are going to change the way we view IP and also the way uh, we enforce IP rights. But the question remains how this will change. Another emerging theme uh, in academic uh, research on open innovation and in IP is uh, openness dynamics so when to close the innovation process when to open it up uh, and uh, this is a, an issue that is not so much explored well not enough as it should receive attention uh, but it has been signaled already in uh, Recent articles by Appelard and Chesborough in Long Range Planning in 2017, and also by Strand and Holgersson uh, in 2014 in uh, Research Technology Management. And this issue of openness dynamics also becomes a lot more salient in, um, in innovation ecosystems that address grand challenges. Uh, because on one hand, we need open innovation to uh, address uh, societal challenges. But on the other hand, we also need to be clear, as mentioned before about, uh, by the panel, about the contracts and the ownership. Um, and uh, in a recent study in Technovation um, this year by De Silva and colleagues, um, they urge uh, for instrument um, um, policy instruments. To manage these kinds of tensions in innovation ecosystems, and and to address a bit, I think one of the issues that was discussed about the pan uh, by the panel, I think uh, it would be very interesting to look at the pandemic uh, situation because that was a particularly urgent societal challenge. And and we see there in articles by Dalander and Wallin in 2020 in Harvard Business Review, but also in the special issue in R&D Management on uh, COVID uh, pandemic that uh, there is a, yeah the scales are tilting towards co-creation and openness and not so much towards protectiveness in this kinds of specific context. And and now moving for, uh, further from from the themes, I'd like to also. Uh, just uh, mention a few levels of analysis that have been little research in the past but in the uh, recent years we're seeing more and more research on those and they are very important to comprehending the paradox of openness one is the project level and the other is the individual level and on the project level we see a couple of special issues in uh, industrial management, uh, marketing, and also in an uh, in, uh, international journal of project management. And uh, many of the papers in the special issues tackle uh, the IP issues in open innovation. And also at the individual level, um, there's recent uh, papers, uh, for instance, by Foge et al. in 2019 in research policy that highlights potential psychological consequences. So, this is uh, because of the paradox of openness. So, this is an area to explore further. So, thank you so much. That's all for me. I hope this inspired you to read more uh, uh, studies and uh, to research more about this topic.
1: Thank you very much, Joanna. Certainly, I think we are eager to learn more about this. And also, to. we found many interesting open questions that new researchers and of course, uh, the practice can be internal. No? Thank you very much. Back to you, Marcel.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And also thank to Juana for this really very comprehensive um, uh, overview, both of existing research and indeed uh, important topics uh, for the future. And we start to see how it is all connecting. After these, you know, very interesting academic uh, insights, we're now moving to the section on industry um, insights. And, um, you know, here we're interested in learning about, you know, Uh, rule cases, what practitioners are, you know, experiencing all around uh, the world. And for this today, we've invited Alberto Tornero, uh, who's a partner at uh, PwC and uh, mainly in charge of high growth uh, company area. And very much in his uh, daily business works with IP and uh, data management and, and those kinds of topics. So I think a perfect person to reflect a little bit on this. So Alberto, maybe you can say a little bit more about your background and, and, and guide us through uh, your own insights from an industry point of view on this topic.
7: Okay, thank you very much, uh, Marcel and, and everybody. It was so interesting, all the things that you, you, we have talked about. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm working now for since 2013, I'm, I'm leading. The high-growth potential companies area in PwC Spain, and we work with scale-ups and startups, and we work with with big corporates to work with them. What is open innovation? So I have the two hats. Just one time, sometimes I'm on one side, and on the, and sometimes I'm I'm on the other side. And uh, my former, well, my former, I don't know when so now. Former, I'm I'm a lawyer, and my my ground is IP. So. I have that kind of, of, of mixture, so we can talk about whatever you you want. So this is my my
0: background. Great, great, yeah. No, but I think especially with with that background, um, uh, I'm I'm really curious to hear from you. You know how how you react to you know what our panelists have been uh, discussing. You know what are the aspects that you see as being uh, you know relevant, and especially what are some of the examples that you have experienced in in uh, in your own work or in in general in terms of you know, how issues of ownership uh, in in open innovation have been, you know, addressed and implemented throughout, you know, different businesses and other types of organizations.
7: Okay. First of all, I'm, I'm very glad that the the third, uh, the third chapter of, of uh, open innovation is about property. So it is very, it's a very good step for, for the people who have been talking about intellectual property for 20 years, uh, the third is talking about IP, but not IP, ownership, but it's different, it's the same. It's it's a very good good new because some, 10 or 15 years ago, talking about IP and, and business was like a freaky group, you know what I mean? That we were talking about what important, how important is that? And the people said, I don't know, the important is the code. Now it's, it's a very, very good new. I would like... I'm not going to talk about IP because uh, you have to talk about the panelists you and I was fantastic so I would like to 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 see a little wider uh, talk about a little wider perspective of the ownership what is the ownership of the whole project of uh, open innovation so and when you're talking with uh, when you're talking on the on the industry side on the big corporate for example side you have to think that ownership is more than the IP and, and I will share with you the three lines that we talk when we talk about ownership in, in, in open innovation. We talk about the product, we talk about the service, on the solution that uh, a startup could, could bring, and we talk about the ownership of the uh, initiative of the big corporate. You know what I mean? Of the of the initiative uh, by means the company is dealing and is in the market working with the third parties, these small uh, parties what should be, or maybe a startup and whatever. So this is not only the IP, but, but the the whole concept for us, at least in PwC here, uh, the the areas we have we have to talk about when we talk about ownership and um, open innovation. Regarding the product, it's, it's quite quite simple. Product is is uh, absolutely related to, to IP. So if you want to have the, the product itself, if you want to have the, the, you have to grant or you have to grant licenses. You have to do whatever. In the case the the intellectual property is well protected in the beginning, we, in case of these startups, because it is not it is it happens a lot of time when we talk with the other side with the startups. One of the main thing we ask is: Have you protected of your not only the IP? Because sometimes for them IP is a kind of legal issue. Have you protected your assets? your intangible assets, but we're not talking about marks or whatever. We're talking about the core of your business. So when we talk about the ownership of the product, we have to to talk about intellectual property. But many times big corporates are very interested in the service, in what you do, in the solutions that the the startup is is granting. And then you have to think in uh, talking about human values, talking about expectation. It's quite important to to, to understand that if you want the service, if you want the solution, you have to go further and you have to have other instruments, sometimes legal instruments, apart from the IP. That could be, of course, acquisition of companies. That could be exclusivity agreements. You know what I mean? For the first three years, we have an exclusivity on any kind of services or whatever that will... uh, will make profitable for the big corporate for the corporate to get into this uh, open innovation because all of us are very conscious on the importance of, of, of open innovation but it is not outside of here. Sometimes it's quite difficult to, to move not not because of, not when you want the, the company to do things just to be in the media. When they, you want them to take this and to Put deeply in their, co- in their corporation. It is not so easy sometimes. So they have, you have to show them what are they going to get, and how are you going to state or to to, to design the not only the contracts, yeah the strategy to get what they want. So if if you are talking about product to VIP, you are talking about services. Main you would be uh, the main things that you talk about would be acquisitions. Uh, uh, sometimes talking about the teams no of course you cannot uh, buy a team but you have to think in that on how to uh, try to state or how, how to design this process to get what they want for example you will hire them you will integrate them because this is another kind of ownership of the things that you will uh, that, that the big corporate will want to get into when they start this open innovation um, uh, strategy and the third, the third uh, one is the ownership of the initiative itself. For example, if we are talking about an accelerator, you know, it's one of the of the main uh, ways that a bit corporate would, would get into the, the the open innovation. It's quite important to 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 have your own strategy on who will be your partners, because sometimes, and maybe Marisol will will know a lot of of, of this. Sometimes. Uh, if you have a partner that has not is in your in your footprint, or can your 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 uh, your mark and your label will be in conflict, you will have a problem with all the uh, with all the open innovation strategy. So, we talk if we talk about uh, ownership and uh, open innovation and industry. I will say just to summarize, I will say. Think in these three areas and think in the product, but think in the service and the solution, in the whole solution, on each part of the solution, and think in the ownership of the initiative itself, of, the, of where you are creating. And just to, to finish, I would like to say something. Ownership is not a legal issue. It is a business issue. For me, it's quite important when, when I'm teaching, I'm a teacher in, in in university here in Spain, I always say it is not a matter of legal issue, it's a matter of business, it's a matter of a strategy. When we're talking about real estate, nobody will say, will ask about the property and the ownership. They know the house, you, have, you own the house, you own the house, or you don't know, or you don't own the house. So please, let us try to, to, to put the ownership on the business ground. Not in the not, and when you have to go deeper and you need a specialized uh, a, a, a people who has a who know a lot of, of, of IP and you know a technical people, legal technical people, please go there. But IP ownership on intangible assets is not a matter of law, it's it, it is it should be under my opinion on the ground of business. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have. Plenty of things to talk about, but I have my time, and
0: I hope I No, but yeah, th- thank you assigned. so much. I think, in a way, you also really managed to connect uh, some of the the dots, you know, of, of the conversation uh, that that has unfolded, you know, in this in this episode. Uh, so I think that's you know that's really great in itself. Um, in you know, in, indeed, I think it's interesting because the topic is really also a touching point of different. Uh, disciplines as well, right? So, is it a legal issue? Is it a business issue? I think that's a very good reflection uh, in itself. So, yeah, th- thank you very much for for that. Actually, remember when I, uh, Rudy, may remember when I was doing this master thesis, uh, you know back in the day, won't mention the date. Um, uh, Actually, I think we realized that when we were interested in this topic, and I wanted to talk to some of these uh, companies, they were really hesitant uh, to talk about this at that point in time. It's a little while ago, right? In in a way, the topic was too good (laughs) and, 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 and too sensitive somehow. This is also why took quite some year to get the paper published <laughs> that i mentioned um, but it's also because we could put the open innovation label on it so i think in its in you know my conclusion a little bit is also that um, i think we now you know live in a in a time where you know we have uh, you know developed on the industry side on the academic side And from my point of view, I hope that open innovation is a concept and a framework that allows to to connect some of the different fields, different disciplines, uh, different units of analysis as Ioana also mentioned. So I think in in, in a way, that's what I find really uh, uh, exciting. One of the many things uh, that I personally take away uh, from uh, from today's um, episode. So, yes, thank you again for that. And, um, yeah, I mean, w- w- what do you think, Marisol? I think we covered a lot of ground, uh, uh, yeah. a little bit overwhelming. But, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I
1: think we were expecting that Well, we were preparing, no, Marisol, we knew that this was sure. a really deep and transversal topic. And I think, uh, in a way, we, we love the challenge of opening these a specific kind of, uh, of maybe kind of worms. (laughs)
7: Uh,
1: But really, I think um, interesting that we touch the technical side, but also the scientific side, for example, and the human side and the business side of it, you know, because at the end everything is involved in this. I really enjoyed the insights and the panel. I don't. I need to ask if you convinced Joanna of, of um, mentioning some of your papers, Marcel.
0: <laughs> no, I have nothing to do with that. But it made me realize that, like I think Mariana and Marcus said, you know, they don't do. They're not really about IP. Uh, but uh, they do it all the time in a way. And for me, it's kind of the same because I don't see, see myself as an IP scholar. But then uh, Juana made me realize that, well, there are quite a few of these things popping up that are actually quite related. So I think that's super interesting. So it was not this.
1: prearranged, everybody. No, is a true summary. And, Ruan, well, we are now officially ending our third chapter. I think a uh, lot with my heart Uh, all of the adventurers that are here today with us because we know this is an adventure. We are learning and we are growing. Well, and that's it for today. Remember that you will be able to listen to the podcast in Spotify and iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcasts, and that we will have the YouTube video. You will be able to see us in YouTube, and uh, you will. We will include the reference to all the cases that Joanna explained in her presentation, and any other reference for interesting material that we'll, we mentioned today. And if you like uh, today's conversation, I really advise you to listen to the first two ones because they were really nice.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, of course, and I also like really how how these different topics are. Uh, are are getting connected, so I think that's uh, that's great. Um, but you know, to 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 close, I mainly you know want to thank uh, our our panelists for today. So big thanks to to Ingrid, Marianne, Marcus, and 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 Rudy for really you know a very interesting uh, session. Uh, of course, also special thanks to our. Uh, uh, inside section adventurers, as Marcel uh, uh, calls them, uh, Iwana and and Alberto. I think your insights been really interesting to connect some of the dots. Uh, also, big thanks to our uh, um, uh, WOIC team, and in this you know in this context in particular. Uh, Jacob Fernando and and Atabiko also doing a great work in making uh, all of this uh, happen and and, and published uh, and so on so that's that's really great. And finally thanks of course to to all of you who are following you know these conversations uh, we we hope you like it and we hope to see you uh, next time. So goodbye everyone.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.